up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Breaking Brains and Building Hearts. We got the tough guy, James Royce, the weird guy, Chris McAllister, and the only normal guy in the group, (laughs) Brett Burchard. (laughs) Good to be with you all again. So we're working through the seven mindsets of world-class performance, uh, actually the subject of our newest book, Catching Confetti. and this week we're walk, we're talking about the process mindset. Um, I loved our discussion last week about focused mindset. I've been um, chewing on that for a while now, and uh, it may make me rewrite a chapter in the book after our discussion. Um, but uh, thinking about the process mindset and and how do we stay? Um, I guess two things: how do we stay disciplined to uh, the skills that we want to build or the the people that we want to become you know as we're pursuing our goals and um and then the second piece of that is how do we be at our best every moment you know how do we develop routines or triggers or, or processes in our life that keep us at our best when we need to be uh when we need to deliver and perform and so um that's what we're talking about Today and Chris, I know you're a uh, a nerd for the the routines and, and triggers. Um, why don't you share? I guess you can share a little bit about some stuff you've you've tried or, or you 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 lean on. But maybe more importantly, um, like what's the value in that for you um, to have those routines and, and triggers in your life? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's about learning to switch out of two states: really fully on, deeply relaxed. Uh, you do have moments you're in the middle. Josh Waitzkin's thing, we've talked about it before, um, simmering at the six, but fully 10, fully one. And that's so much fun. You know, it's 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 literally what I did right before this podcast. I had a situation from a process mindset standpoint where I'm not happy with how I engaged a conversation. And it was a conversation that uh, can make you feel weak, if you will. Um, I'll say that I'll tell you guys more afterward, uh, but it is the people you love the most. Sometimes you show up the worst for, and, uh, yeah, just a conversation with an extended family member. And I tried to meet force with force and lead it too strong rather than switching out of that into empath and sage. So the first thing for me is creating lots of of frameworks and things that help me recognize what went wrong, why did it go wrong, and how can I do it better next time? And like as I reflected on it, I was like, oh, that's totally what I tried to do there. Um, and that framework won't even make sense for people that aren't familiar with site shift and for time purposes, I won't define it, but it just helps you not try to meet force with force. Um, and then after that, you know, I did my smoothie for lunch. I love my routine there. Went on a walk afterward. It helps your blood sugar not spike from, you know, and it's just, I'm constantly experimenting, adding to my knowledge, tweaking, and and you really do it the simplest way of saying it, get addicted to feeling great. Um, now that addiction to feeling great doesn't mean you're always feeling a serotonin hit of relaxation or a dopamine hit of anticipation uh, or whatever is the chemical you're seeking. You're able to, addicted to feeling great for me means I'm able to be where I need to be at the moment. Mm. 
I'm not seeking a continual state of some sort. And I think that's a misunderstanding that a lot of people apply to this kind of uh, awareness understanding. Instead, I'm trying to be a whole person and just be at my best in that moment. And, you know, I pounded a whole bag of chips last night at dinner, after dinner. I wanted to, and it was fun. You know, it's a mix of all those things. So I'm trying to be what brave. I, yeah, what I heard you say then, there were kind of two processes you leaned on today specifically was like, there was a recovery process, you know, where you reflected on a difficult conversation or an intense moment. And then there was a preparation process or a transition process to not let that experience linger into this one and negatively impact what was coming next. Does that sound about right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And the part I didn't even say, just because I'm already weird enough, is uh, actually laid down, played an audio signal for 13 minutes had an imaginative contemplative experience, rewired that so that it didn't cause an emotional response in me that, you know, wired something false and really beautiful. And so I was able to switch gears and, and I can do that on demand over years of practice, but I can do it in the moment, as you guys know from my failing a few weeks ago. Uh, but, but it is nice when you have a little bit of time there and, and you can do that. Yeah. Jimmy, I know you're, um, you know, very disciplined and committed to, you know, to delivering high quality um, work. What what keeps you, I guess, in that mode to to do that every day consistently? Uh, yeah, my commitments. <laughs> I have one rule in my life uh, for anybody that I work with: make and keep commit your commitments. To me, and you can expect the same from me to you, but I think in the context of process, when I think of process, I think of pattern recognition, one, and I think of which, and the idea there is what is what is the pattern that's most predictive of success? So what keeps me focused on delivering success is the desire to always get better at it. So I'm always evaluating the process that I'm following and seeing if it can be improved, which also draws me to delivery on a regular basis. I just had a client ask me today or a prospective client ask me today, so why would you be delivering this project to us? And it's because, you know, I'm always looking for ways to improve, not only work with clients, but ways to improve. So the first thing is that idea of pattern recognition and continuous improvement. And I'm always judging the value of that process based on how predictive it is of success, which means you have other things in that calculus, like the goal, time frame, et cetera. But then I, we also think about process in the context of quality. So it's one thing to come up with a problem, to solve a problem. It's another thing to actually execute the process for delivering that solution. And so, process is really all about that quality improvement, quality outcome, as well as improving the quality of the process and its execution. Um, routine is something we think about, which is different. It's a different mindset from my perspective. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's how, uh, that's, that's my short answer. Yeah, short so of the Chris's. <laughs> oh, no, no, dude, you. let's roll the clock on that. <laughs> Cause I actually think I have the short one. <laughs> I got something to prove. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> 
could have been longer. I have no idea. Uh, you got the benefit of a follow-up question. So I'm going to give you one, Jimmy. Uh, so what I hear you saying is, you know, there's a process that you're following towards achieving an outcome or a goal. Um, and that's that's where, where I see like the process mindset in an individual, like, you know, who do I want to become and the skills that I want to build or the the types of jobs or roles that I want to serve in, um, you know, is staying disciplined to a process to get there. And you're kind of talking about it from a, it sounds like from a business or like a deliverable, you know, okay, here's where I want to get to. Now here's the process in place that, um, that we're going to take to get there, which is really cool. I think that's a, a great application of it. Um, you, that process, is it kind of the same for everybody? Just depends on the goal they're going after. Do you find a process that, that works and just kind of like, let's get them in there and follow the same steps or how does that work out? It's a great question. So, yeah. So, I mean, when you think about process, the reason a process is so, is so valuable versus let's just say random execution, right? So in the sales world, um, people show up and just execute from the seat of their pants randomly. And there are folks that follow a process. <clears throat> when you show up and do something randomly, you don't know what you're doing to deliver the outcome. So you can't go back and replicate it or improve it. When you follow a process, you know what you did each step. You're actually collecting data on how it went and you can go back and improve. So it applies to sales. It applies to any other process in a business. It applies to working out. You know, you can just go into a gym and just grab shit and throw weight around and not really have a process, even though your goal might be to get bigger or to get healthier. But if you have a process, now you can align every one of those steps to the ultimate objective. And then you can go back and improve those steps through education and learning uh, as, as your goal is tweaked. So you might start out working out to gain muscle mass, but then you might think more broadly about overall health. And then you have to think about how does eating impact the goal that you have. And so now it's not just what you do in the gym. It's how you eat in the morning. It's what you do at night. It's all those things. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's how many vices that you might uh, enjoy on a weekly basis, like chips or something else. So, yeah, so the process just allows you to become better versus the random approach. And if you have a process mindset... Then the first thing you do when you when you articulate a goal or have one articulated to you is that you start with, okay, great. What's first, what's second, what's third, what's fourth? And the question always is, well, why? And that makes you smarter. It causes you to investigate. It causes you to develop that expertise. And then now you have something to your point you can share. Yeah. So now if there's a second person who wants to uh, enjoy the goal of better health, now I can, now I can. Um, leverage that process and interview that person and really understand what that goal is and how that how achieving that goal might um, might alter the process that I'm using. So now that process can be applied in, independently or in the context of a team, like a sales team, if I have if I allow every member of that team to join who joins the team to execute their own random way of doing things, then think about it. Every time I add someone to the team, the sales process changes, 
right? I now have another version of the process. And then every time that person goes out to market, the client has a new experience with my company because now the processes aren't aligned, the experiences aren't aligned. And now I have just, I extend that random, potentially ineffective way of doing business out to my customers and whoever else I deal with. But if I have a unifying process that we all follow, that now we all know where we are. Now, any kind of improvement that one person has can be shared with the rest of the team. I become more efficient and effective. It's easier to manage. It's easier to alter and improve. And the relationship with the customer is improved because now their relationship with our company is more consistent across all those team members. Yeah. Yeah, I love uh, like that application of it. And that's probably one of my favorite things about the work, I guess, all of us do in our individual domains and as a group, you know, whether it's what we do with site shift and figure that shift out the catching confetti program with athletes and in the wins model with, with businesses and sales is like, there is a defined process to go through. And it's not just like, Hey, you want life transformation, you know, call us up. We'll help you out. It's like, no, we have a program to walk you through a curriculum, a process step-by-step that we're going to take you from point A to point B, uh, Z. And uh, I just think it's so valuable. And probably for me, the the most valuable piece of the process mindset is that, that you stay disciplined to the process, a routine, a focus, you know, even when you don't feel like it. Mm-hmm. Like in each of our programs, there's like, there's a struggle phase, you know, where it's, it gets hard and you kind of want to quit or give up or you know, it doesn't, you don't feel so good in the moment but we know that's part of the process to getting to the transformation. And so stay disciplined to the process, stay disciplined to the curriculum, stay disciplined to the routine, even when you don't feel like it, because on the other side of that is, is the growth, um, is the breakthrough, you know, it's huge. It's yeah. huge in athletics. Like, you know, not every day of the season, are you going to feel like going to the gym and working out, you know, but if you have your goal and you have your process, like, so even today when I don't feel like going to the gym and taking, you know, 500 extra shots in basketball, I'm, I'm going to do it because it's, I know it's going to lead to who I want to become in the future. Yeah. Um, and so it helps you through those kind of like dark winter seasons, I guess. I, you know, I have a, I have a question for you, uh, Brett, in that context. Yeah. One of the things that I think about with the process is, the beauty, the beauty of it is you don't you also don't have to rethink or guess <clears throat> what should I do next. Yeah. Imagine the, you know, there's just so much I can just in my own life, you know, think about the time I would waste if I had to reinvent that next step and then try to try to in my own mind figure out whether it's the best next step. And I wonder how that applies in sports, right? So when you're coaching a team. Do you find that the team benefits and is more efficient and effective when they have a process to follow because they know what's next versus the alternative? A hundred percent. You know, I'm working with a, a college team right now, a college basketball team, and they're going through these their preseason practices, and there's you know 30 practices before they play their first game, and and we worked really hard at the beginning of it to lay out kind of a teaching calendar you know, here's what we're going to accomplish over the course of those 30 practices. So as we're going through it um, in marking off days and practices, you know, 
we don't get so like discouraged or or moved by a good day or a bad day, you know. And we're not playing what I call whack-a-mole, like, oh, this pops up and I whacked that when we put this one pops up. And now we're just like, you know, putting out fires rather than, you know, we had a structured plan to get from day zero to day 30 when we're ready to play. And so um I just I think it's huge. Otherwise you're gonna be swayed by emotional swings that, you know, that are going to blow you off course. And so it's, it's that to be able to navigate kind of the highs and lows, uh, the emotions of it, the discouragement of it. When you don't think it's working, stay, trust the process, stay true to the process. And eventually it, it plays out. Of course, a lot of that happens with experience too, you know, that, you know, the process is going to work because you've seen it work before. Right, uh, right, right. But yeah, that was a, it's a good question. Good application. For me, it's a relationship with like two tensions because I want to find that process to lock in on. But at some point, you lose that motivation continually. So we're not just talking about those moments that we all have where it's like, you know, it's like there are days you don't love your calendar, but you consistently love your calendar. And then when it's day after day, you don't love your calendar or you lose the motivation for the sport, Michael Jordan burning out in basketball, whatever. Then it's time to what? upgrade your intuition, your view of reality, there has to be a process change. And what's so powerful is once you adopt this process mindset, then you start to build your life around these processes. They serve you, you don't serve them, you enjoy them. And when you enjoy them, most of the time, not all the time, or at least the result they give you, um, you can pay attention to when that upgrade needs to occur. And so sometimes you're reinventing your processes. I like the way you say in the book, you love the process of skill building. Uh, Because even what I was saying about like you're addicted to feeling great, you know, it's still a process of that. So like I didn't like this morning, uh, just the way the day was structured, didn't want to work out. And I did the sauna and I'm sitting down and I open up Twitter and I was like, oh, I'll just be on Twitter for a minute. And I'm like, okay, no, if I do this, I'm not going to work out. And I'm going to love that feeling when I'm done working out. And after I got out of the cold shower, you know, and I walk around the house knowing how buff I am. No, uh, it it is that that feeling. There's a quote I wanted to read you guys from somebody I've shared with y'all. Andrew Huberman, the neuroscientist, has like a couple hour podcast on just dopamine. And he says this, the problem is not pleasures. The problem is that pleasure experienced without prior requirement for pursuit is terrible for us. In other words, our brain is literally has evolved to enjoy the the payoff because there was a struggle. And that struggle in the process mindset can be so rewarding if we let it be. Yeah, that's really good. I like also the point you made um, without the process, you don't know when you need to change your process or when it's time to upgrade. Like what kind of matches what we said last week where distractions can be beneficial, can tell us, you know, uh, something about our desires or, 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 you know, or, or what we, uh, what we truly want or or truly are, are motivated by. Whereas the process can help us understand when the process doesn't work anymore and we need to change and we need to upgrade and, and we're ready to elevate ourselves to a, to a new reality. So both those are really good. It's funny um, to me how the experimentation, once you start, you 
you just keep upgrading. And I, I mean, the last few months I've reinvented some processes and I can't stop. You're going to say something. Yeah. Interrupt you. No, that's great. Jimmy, do you have anything to add? No, it just scares the hell of me when Chris talks about reinventing processes. <laughs> no, he's addicted to reinventing processes. Here we go again. <laughs> so, yeah. It's like, I, it's, it's back to that focus thing. Like, okay, what is it all about, baby? <laughs> okay, so it's funny because I thought this earlier and I didn't say it. I was like, oh yeah, but now it's great. The way you kind of like uh, explained us all as a team, Brett, in one of our meetings, I think applies to process because... You're like, let's get the reps in on the process. Jimmy's like, let's build the perfect process and then lock in on that. And I'm like, let's continue to expand to that process we haven't yet conceived of. (laughs) And it is the three gravitating bodies that, yeah. But to affirm all concerned listeners, I'm not thinking there's but one or two, uh, i.e. the ones on the show, I totally agree. We got to lock in from the business standpoint and I am eager to do that. Yeah. So let me ask you uh, each just kind of as in conclusion, um, somebody, Jimmy, maybe from a business perspective, Chris, maybe from an individual like performance perspective, uh, if they don't have a process, they are just waking up and tackling whatever shows up that day or, you know, um, you know, meeting challenges as they arise rather than preparing for them. If they don't have a process now, what's the best way to get started building their own process? Cool. You want to go first, Jimmy? You want me to? Go for it, man. Thanks. Uh, for me, it, and this is part of the part of the upgrading of processes, like with the business. Until I have the one that accomplishes the results I want, I'm on a search. And so that's part of why we haven't locked in, but we're close. We've done a lot of experiments this last year and a half. Um, So determining the outcome, what is the results that you really want? Being honest about that. Well, of course, that follows what we talked about. (laughs) That's why this, this is next. So now that I have that outcome, I'm going to, what are the processes that are going to get me there? You know, whether that's relational, conversational processes, calendar structuring processes, sales processes, whatever. Um, so it starts with that. So go back and listen to the last episode, get that really strong and clear, and then start playing around with what are the steps you can take to get there on repeat. I think, uh, what I would say, I say this all the time to my clients, um, you know, but I have to, but it's hard to perfect this. It's really hard to understand what it means, but the process starts with what are the most, what are the must haves? Um, in other words, what are the things that are most predictive of success, right? So uh, Chris and I are working with a client on job descriptions because we want to help them improve their recruiting process. Well, it's amazing when you look at a job description through the lens of which of these requirements are, are required for success in the role, you recognize that you can throw out 90% of the crap that you've written in there, all the fluff that you know, one, it confuses the pro- it confuses the process of actually p- picking the right person, which which means you are less likely to pick the right person, which means you're going to continue to struggle with the process of improving the talent and achieving that return on talent in your organization. So, my, the recommendation always is um, look for what you do or what elements or requirements are must haves or 
most predictive of success. And then you can start, you can start, um, you know, threading those together and start thinking about the process that you want to, that you'll end up building and then end up, that will end up delivering you that predictable outcome. Yeah. That's great. I would, I would add to that. Um, all those are awesome. In addition to the goals we want to achieve or the outcomes we want to have, like, I like to also think about what's the presence you want to have. Like, I guess the emotional, um, mm. you know, personality characteristics, whatever, like what's the feeling you want to have each moment. And, and Chris, you talked about getting addicted to, to feeling good, but like, we don't want to show up to every day of work and every meeting and every interaction with our spouse, anxious, nervous, stressed, whatever. So like, what are the things that help you feel good? Like relaxed, happy, engaged, taken care of, um, you know, that, that you have enough, that your cup is full um, and, and start building routines around those things that, I can help you feel that all the time. And when you get knocked off balance, you can, can refine that center um, by going back to your processes and routines. So super powerful to, to be consistent in your performance and be consistent in your uh, presence. So love it. Guys, this was awesome. Great conversation as always. We got two more to go. Next, we'll talk about the empathetic mindset um, but excited to to dive into more of this this week's. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Have a great week. Thank you. Cheers.